I'm Eric Eastep. I'm the pastor of Village Church, and I'm here with my dad, Wendell Eastep. And I really appreciate you joining with us as we are streaming our service to you today. And this is not anything uh, that we really envisioned happening until, I guess, Friday. It was about Friday, then we, we really felt like that probably one of the best things that we could do just for uh, the health and the safety of, of the congregation at Village Church was for us to just use this format in order to communicate. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate you joining with us. We're just going to have a time where we're going to, one thing we're going to do is we're just going to look into a scripture that I preached on back in January. And I, I just, actually January of 2019. And I thought it was just really appropriate for us, just in light of what we're kind of experiencing right now, uh, to go back and look at that message. It's a message that is dealing with David and Goliath facing giants in your life. And I, th- I think we're facing, uh, for a lot of people, some, some uncertainty, just a giant uh, that's in their life. But I, I had Dad here. Dad is my pastor. And so I wanted to just sort of ask some questions to him or ask a question to him that I've, that I've been hearing a lot lately. And one of the big questions is, is, is with this pandemic that is going on, is you know, what is what is this all about spiritually? What do you think that does this have any spiritual meaning uh, to us? Is this a judgment? What could it be? And so I just thought I'd ask you, how would you respond to questions like that? I think there are a lot of people who would probably ask the question, is this a judgment of God? And I don't think that anyone could give a definitive answer to that. The Lord has told us, he said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so to presume that I know the mind of God outside his word, uh, I, I'm, not willing, I'm not willing to go there. I know that God judges. Uh, the Bible says that God is a God of love, and, and we believe that, that God is a God of love, that he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace. The other side of the coin is that God is a holy and just God. And so there is judgment, and throughout the scripture, there are those times when God judges. Is this the judgment of God? I don't know. My prayer is that, that, that the Lord would use this to turn people back mm-hmm. to him, that uh, we have drifted so far away from God. And maybe it would be a time when the Lord would use this and, and people begin to consider the Lord, the uncertainty of life, and the importance of eternal things. And so that would be my prayer. I know that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse number 22, that when man sinned, that all of creation came under the curse of sin. And so we, that is the reason that we have the, the storms, the tornadoes, the hurricanes. That is the reason we have disease and all of those hurtful things that we deal with because all of creation is under the curse of sin. And so the truth is, Eric, there are a lot of bad things that happen to us, not because that was God's will, but because that was the, the, the consequence of man being disobedient to God. This is judgment of God. I could not answer that question. Uh, I know that God judges, and I know that all creation is under the curse of sin. And uh, so, uh, you know, someone said a long time ago, in fact, I shared this with someone today, because of a situation they were facing. When we can't see the hand of God, we trust the heart of God. I don't always see the hand of God, but I believe that God is good, that God is gracious. And so even though we go through those tough times in life, we see the heart of God knowing that he is gracious. 
And I appreciate you uh, referring back to Romans chapter 8. And, of course, one of the things that's in there in Romans chapter 8 as well is that God can take anything and he can work it for good. And so that is, that is my prayer as well, is as we are kind of facing something that's really uncertain, that God will take it and that he will use it for good, that will allow him to do that, allow him to work in us. And so that's one of the reasons why we are going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath. And, and right now what we're going to do is James is going to be sharing with us in song uh, Waymaker. And it's just a fabulous song. And so we hope that this is an encouraging time for you.
1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll look at verse number 1 in just a few moments, so that's going to be a passage of, of Scripture that you're going to be really familiar with, and uh, so today we are, we're actually beginning a new series of messages, we're calling it Unshakable, and it's our, our hope that what we're going to discover this year is that our faith and our God is unshakable regardless of what it is that we're going to face. Now, this is, the, this is the very first Sunday, of course, in the new year, and, uh, and people are always, you know, in general, they're pretty optimistic, pretty positive about the new year and what it's going to bring. So that's why we have so many people. We like to make New Year's resolutions. Have, have y'all, any of y'all made New Year's resolutions this year? Very many of y'all? Or have y'all just absolutely given up? All right, great. We got a church of quitters in here, so that's great. Uh, so there's a few of us that are still kind of hanging in there. We like to make resolutions. 
And we think this. I think a lot of us like the beginning of a new year because we think that it, it holds for us new possibilities. You know, the old year is over. You know, we can look back and we can see some good things. We will also look back and we see some failures and we say, well, we're not going to do that anymore. So this is a new year and, uh, and it's going to be great. And so I am here today to burst your bubble just a little bit. Now, it's going to be a great year, but here's what we discover. Uh, we get all excited about the new year, but it doesn't take long until you kind of you kind of turn the corner in that new year, and lo and behold, there is a, a, a giant obstacle that's going to stand in front of you. Now, don't be too negative yet, thinking, oh, what could that, not, that obstacle be? Um, I'm going to share that at the end of the service. I'm kidding. But there's, there's going to be a, some kind of trial. So we get excited, and then there's stuff that starts coming our way, and we think, oh, my gosh, it's going to be just like last year. So excited, it gets tempered a little bit, and I actually saw this video, it was on the news a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure a lot of you saw it, and I watched this and I thought, I don't know if this fits or not, but it's a really good video. So uh, we don't know if it's going to help or not, but, but you're going to watch it anyway. So y'all watch this, and I'm going to try to see if it'll tie in, so y'all watch this video here. Talk about hanging on for dear life. Run, 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 run. The guy in the plaid shirt and white helmet realized a second after takeoff from a 4,000-foot mountaintop that he was not attached to the hang glider. The pilot apparently forgot to hook him up. The tourist from Florida hangs on to the bar with one hand and the pilot with his other hand. The pilot does his best to steer with one arm while grasping onto his passenger with the other. Guy was just trying to stay calm, just trying to hold on for dear life. The danger was real. Imagine falling from this height. I looked down once and I thought to myself, this is it, I'm gonna fall to my death. I'm, I'm, go I'm a goner. Both men are struggling. The tourist, Chris Gursky, goes from clinging to the pilot around his shoulders to barely hanging on to his leg. I didn't have much grip left to me at all. My hand was opening, I was slipping, I had his pant leg, that was about it. After two minutes and 14 seconds, they got close enough to earth that Gursky let go. He hit the ground hard and broke his wrist. He also tore his bicep from holding on with such a tight grip for all that time. An eternity when you think you're going to plummet to your death. The auto parts manager is now back home near Tampa, but he will never forget that terrifying ride. Did y'all did y'all watch? Did y'all see that when that happened? I watched that and I thought that is what would happen to me because I'm a positive guy, and so the guy had one. I mean, you think about it, the guy had one job: clip my strap on. And what I discovered is the guy, the hang glider pilot, that was actually his wife. No, I'm kidding, that was not his wife. But uh, uh, whenever they they flew to Switzerland, it was his first day there, and he was excited. He told his wife when he got there, he said, I, "We're gonna, I'm going to go hang gliding." It's beautiful here in Switzerland. I've always wanted to do this. And so his first day there, he goes hang gliding, and uh, he has to have surgery later that day, and he goes home. So he was in Switzerland for like the total of like three days, two of them in the hospital. Great, great trip. So it, it, it's a, back to the original point. Excited, and here comes an obstacle right around the corner, right? Now, here's what impressed me about Chris Gursky. Chris Gursky had all this excitement and then an obstacle came, and yet somehow he managed 
to hang on. I have no idea. That was unbelievable to me. He was 4,000 feet in the air, and he managed to hang on. Now, I watched that, and I thought this. I thought, okay, so we're all going to face obstacles in life. How in the world can we be like this guy when we face obstacles, and we're just going to keep on hanging on, believing that we're going to make it? Now, that's why we're looking in our text today, 1 Samuel chapter 17. There is a giant in this story, a giant obstacle. It's a story you're very familiar with. It is the story of David and Goliath. And whenever you look at this story, one thing that you learn is that the enemy is always trying to do whatever he can to get into your life in order to discourage you and to defeat you. And so whenever that happens, and it it will happen, So whenever that happens, for those of us who are a people of faith, a people who believe in the God of Scripture, how in the world can we hang on? Even whenever it looks like we have an obstacle that's too big for us to handle. And so that's why we're looking in 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you go through the Old Testament, what you discover is that the Philistine people, Philistine nation, and the Israelites, they're they're always at war with each other. They're always doing battle. I mean, you look at King Saul. Uh, king Saul's always fighting against them. Whenever David becomes king, he always has an issue with the Philistine people. But we're focusing in today on the headline battle of all of these of all of these skirmishes between these two nations. The headline battle is David and Goliath. It is a famous fight. But what we learn is we're at the pre-battle in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We learn that there is a game plan that the enemy uses in order to get into your life, to defeat you, and to keep you from experiencing the power of God. Okay, we're in 2019 now. You know, I believe this. I believe God wants you, and He wants me, He wants our church, He wants believers to experience and to see and to know the power of God. And yet way too many of us miss out on seeing God's power because of giants that come our way. And those giants can scare us. They can ward us off, fend us off from seeing the blessings and the power of God. But I I want us to understand this. I want us to understand there is a battle that is going on even today for you. It's a battle between God and the evil one. And they both want you. But God wants you for a good reason. And God makes this very clear. Jesus does in Matthew 7, 13. He tells us, he says, Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are going to enter through it. But this is the, the road God wants you on. He says, But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Now, why is that? It's because I believe there are obstacles and giants that come our way. And we get scared off from God, and so we miss out on God's blessings. So there's a game plan that the enemy has. David saw the game plan, and he was able to work around it. And the game plan the enemy has to keep you from seeing and experiencing and knowing God is the same game plan for today. So so what is the game plan of the enemy? Well, the very first thing we're going to see in the game plan is the enemy will invade your territory. The enemy's going to try to get into your life, get into your head, and mess you up to where you don't see God and His power. Now look with me in verse number 1. It says, The Philistines gathered 
their forces for war at Soko in Judah and camp between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damim. I told the first service, I, I wish the words were a little easier, like, you know, Killian and Lexington. It says, but uh, Saul and the men of Israel gathered in camp in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. And the Philistines were standing on one hill. And the Israelites were standing on another hill with the ravine between them. Okay, so here's what's going on here. There's, there's two armies are coming up to battle against each other. One's on one side of the field on a hill. There's another one on the other side. And there's a ravine that runs between them. Now, the Philistines came from the coastal region of Israel. Uh, they, they came from the beach. Okay, so they're like from Hilton Head. And so they're down there, and they're coming up to Columbia. Okay, so there's a, there's a, so there's a Hilton Head group, the bad guys, and there's the Columbia folks, good people. So right here, and there's a battle that's getting ready to take place. And they met in a particular town. If you look back in verse number 1, it says Soko, S-O-C-O-H. Now, why did they choose that place? Well, they chose that place because it was a major trading route, a major road that went from the east to the west. And so it was a major trading route, and whoever controlled that town was going to control anything that came in and out of Judah. Now, Soko, if you look in verse number 1, that is a, t- a city or a town that belonged to the people of Judah. It was, it was their town. Now, that, that is what the enemy will do. The enemy will invade your territory in order to control you, what comes in into who you are as a person, and what goes out of you. The enemy will invade your life because if they invade your life and control you, then they've got you. Now, now what, what city, so to speak, in your, in your body controls what comes in and out of your life? It's your mind. There is a battle that is going on for your mind. Therefore, it is so important that you are careful about what enters into your mind. Because whoever controls your mind will control you. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the thought here is that you want to guard your mind from sin, because if you don't, y'all let me tell you something, the devil's going to have free reign, and when he has your mind, What's going to come out of your life is going to be sinful. James 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, and it's talking about desire conceived in your mind, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So whenever the devil begins to operate in the territory of your mind, eventually that's going to work its way out into your actions. And when, when Satan invades our territory and he gets control of our mind and our thoughts, let me tell you something, there's only, there's only defeat. You'll end up doing things you would have never thought you would do whenever you give up looking towards Jesus. Let, let me try to give you somewhat of an example. My, my daughter and I, one thing that we enjoy doing is we like to get on YouTube. And uh, this is a, 
Now, she is the one that made me do it. So uh, so we will get on YouTube, and what some of the stuff that we like to watch on there is we love to watch news bloopers. And so those are really entertaining to watch that. Then also if game show bloopers. So if you ever get on there, it's kind of it's fun to watch them. But every once in a while, as you watch them, you will see that YouTube does not, it really does not promote the genius of man. Uh, what it typically does is it shows us at our, our lowest common denominator. And you, you see people, and they're doing it. I don't know what happens. When people get on TV, it's like we just lose our mind, and we do the weirdest things. And you think, gosh, you would never, why would you do that on TV? And so, you know, you just watch stuff. And one of them was uh, that I watched was a, a policeman pulling somebody over, and they were kind of weaving all over the road, and they gave them a physical test. And, they, you know, they had the camera there. And then the police was telling you to touch your nose and walk. And they told the guy to shut his eyes. And as soon as he shut his eyes, he falls over. And you're thinking, how embarrassing is this? And so you just watch stuff. And, and you see, whenever people, when people lose control of their mind, man, that, that you're nuts. I mean, you just do things that, that you would never do otherwise. Well, guys, that's, that happens to us. Whenever we give up territory, in our minds, then we're going to allow things into our lives that we would normally never do. I mean, I look in our text. The Israelites, they allowed the Philistines to come into their land. And as long as the Philistines were in their territory, you know how the people lived? They lived in fear. They were scared all the time. Verse number 24, when the Israelites saw the man Goliath, they all ran away from him in great fear. So, so how do we keep the enemy out of our territory. You know, you know how it begins? You have to begin to build walls and fences to protect your mind. Now, now, what kind of walls do we need to build to protect our mind? You need to have a prayer life. You know, as we enter into 2019, one of the greatest things that you can do is take time to talk and to pray to God. You know, to pray to Him, say, God, I am, I am calling out to you to be my refuge in life. Ask God to, to protect you from sin, to keep you away from things that would be tempting to you. Another great, another great wall to build in your life is Scripture. To take God's Word and to actually read it. To see what God has to say, how He instructs your life. That's why King David wrote in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When he knew God's Word, then he knew how he was to live. To stay away from the things of sin. I think the church is another, another great wall for us to build. It's a place where we're going to learn about God's Word. It's a place where we have support and guidance. Now, if you don't have basic fences in your life protecting your mind, let me tell you something, the, the evil one is going to invade your territory. And whenever he does, and he gets control, you're going to end up doing things you never wanted to do. So, so what's the game plan of the enemy? It's to invade your territory. It's what happened in our text. And another part of the game plan is that the enemy now will try to intimidate you. And that's what the world does against us. I mean, if you look in verse number 4, it says they lined up for battle. And it says, and then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. Listen to this. He was 9 feet 9 inches tall. He wore a bronze helmet, bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins and a bronze sword that was slung between his shoulders. And his spear shaft was like a weaver's beam. And the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. 
And he stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out to line up in battle formation, he asked. Then am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. Now, it was not uncommon in these days for battling armies to send out their best soldiers to fight one another. So instead of saying, hey, all of us, we're just going to have a big, you get in the middle of a big old field and fight each other. You send out your best, we'll send out our our best. Now, let me ask you all a question. Why do you think the Philistines picked Goliath? What y'all think? He's nine foot nine. He's a huge guy. Have y'all ever seen a guy that's nine feet nine? I never have. Shaquille O'Neal, midget, all right? This guy's nine nine. He he has armor that weighs 125 pounds. If you read through, again, if you read through verses four through eight, this guy's impressive. I mean, he is a physical specimen. And he challenged the Israelites for 40 days. Come out and fight me. What, you know what the Israelites did? Nothing. Come out and fight me. Nobody would show up to fight. Now, now why do you think that is? Because they're scared. They saw that big guy. The only thing that they could see was the obstacle in front of them. Now, now here's what's interesting to me, is did you know that King Saul, if you read through this book, King Saul had defeated the Philistine army before. If you go back three chapters, chapter 14, King Saul and the Israelites absolutely annihilated the Philistine army. Three chapters before. Three chapters later, one guy faces them, and King Saul won't do anything. What happened? What happened is that King Saul took his eyes off of God, and he began to live like he wanted to, and God removed his hand of power and blessing from Saul's life. The prophet Samuel came and talked to Saul about it in chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. He he told him, he says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Samuel said, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you as king. Now, when Saul rejected the leadership of God, the only thing he saw in his life were the obstacles. He didn't see victory. He didn't see the power of God. The only thing he could focus on were the obstacles. Okay, now, how about you? How about me? Because, y'all, 2019, there will be challenges, there will be giants, there will be obstacles that will come your way. Where's your focus going to be? Now, I'm with you. There's some giants that are scary. This is where we exercise what's called faith. Lord, I am scared, but Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I am scared, but I am placing my trust in you, believing that you are more powerful than anything else. You know, whenever whenever we move away from God and his leadership, the only thing you're going to see are obstacles. And when that's all you see, it's going to hinder your decision-making. 
I remember a few years ago, there were two, two teenage boys, and they decided they're going to rob a bank. And so they, they ran down the aisle. They had masks on. They, they were armed, and they had a pillowcase. They ran straight to the counter, pointed the gun at the clerk, and said, give us all your money. The clerk was confused. And so you know, finally, he ended up bending down. He grabbed the money box, opened it up, and had less than a dollar in that money box. And so that really confused the robbers. So they, they dumped change into a pillowcase. And those guys, those two teenagers, were so nervous. They, they ended up running out of the door. The clerk called the police. They caught the two teenage boys within a couple hours. So, so what was the deal here? Well, what had happened is those two boys, they ended up robbing the local library. And they got the fine money for that day. So how does that happen? Well, here's what happened. When they came, there was a really nice library. Across the street from the library was a bank, but there was scaffolding in front of it, and they couldn't see the bank sign. And so they just assumed that the library was the bank. Now, see, when you only see obstacles, you make some really poor life choices. That's what happened to those boys. That's what happened to King Saul. His focus was the obstacle, and because of it, he didn't see God. You know, the, the best tool Satan is going to use against you and me this year, he's going to, be, he's going to intimidate us. He'll try to do whatever he can to intimidate us, to keep our eyes on him instead of looking to our God. But we have to remember, 1 John 4, 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So, so what's the game plan of the enemy? Well, he's going to invade your territory. He's going to intimidate you. And then after he does that, he's going to get in your face and he's going to challenge you. He's going to challenge your faith. Now, now look with me in verse number, let's see, verse number 9. It says, if he wins in a fight, and this is Goliath, if he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. And when Saul and all, the, and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. So, so what did Goliath do? He, he challenged the Israelites. He said, send out your best fighter. If he beats me, then we'll surrender. But if I beat y'all, beat him, then, then y'all have to surrender to me. That was easy for him to say. He's nine foot nine. Everybody else is tiny. There is no way this guy is going to lose. It was an all-or-nothing deal. It was a big-time challenge. Now, the Israelites were known for their faith in God, but at this point, it's only nominal. It's been a long time since they've really trusted God. They're under Saul's leadership. And so, Goliath challenged them in their faith. You really believe in your God? Then come out and fight me. You know, that, that's what's going to ha happen to us this year. You know, there comes a time when we have to put up or shut up when it comes to our faith. Do you really believe in your God? Do you really have faith in Him? Do you really trust Him? There's going to come a time when you have to choose sides. You have to make a decision. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. Or you're going to make the decision just like the people in our text did. It says when they saw the giant, they lost their courage and they ran away. You know, I'm really good at being being faithful when things are going my way. I'm really good at being obedient to God when it's convenient. I'm really good at 
and following God's word whenever it's working out for me. But the challenge comes when an obstacle rises up. The challenge comes whenever people look my way and say, if you do that, then you're strange. If you do that, then you are not kind. If you if you do that, then then you're not a person that has any kind of intellect. Now, you know, following God doesn't mean that you're that you're stupid. It's just sometimes God calls us to do things that, from the worldly perspective, that makes sense. You know, I, my my druthers, when somebody treats me wrong, I want to get a, I want to get a pound of flesh. You know what Jesus says? Love your enemies. How y'all doing on that? One? I struggle with that, but that is a, that is a giant that rises up. You gonna you gonna put up or you gonna shut up? Whenever whenever the world tells me do what feels good, it's just natural, and yet God says keep yourself pure. Is my, is my faith going to rise up? And am I going to meet the challenge and trust? God, or am I going to be like the Israelites in verse number 11? On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed. They lost their courage, and they ran away. How are you going to respond? You see, the enemy is going to challenge us. We're going to find out for real if our faith is legitimate or not. There is a, a sport that is known as tree skiing never heard of it before, but it was listed and talked about in a magazine called Outside Magazine. It says really good skiers that don't like to ski, you know, do the regular ski runs. They like to get off course and go where the trees are where nobody goes because nobody goes they want to they ski on virgin snow. But the guy who wrote the article, he's a skier, he said, but when you do that, he said, where you look is vitally important. He said, don't focus on what you don't want to hit. He said, whatever it is that you're looking at, he said, that's where you ski. So he said, you want to keep your eyes focused in between the trees. And keep them there, and you're going to be safe. Now, in essence, the Bible says that. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That word fix, it means to focus. So when obstacles rise up, what what are we to do? We are to focus our gaze on Jesus. You know, regardless of what this new year brings, place your gaze on Jesus. Place your gaze on His Word. Life is scary, but you know what the Bible says? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Life is filled with trials and tribulations, but you know what Scripture says? In Revelation 21, it says, There will be a day when there is no more mourning, crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away, the new has come. And then God says, you write these words down because they are trustworthy and true. Where are you going to put your gaze? See, the enemy's after us. I'm looking forward to a new year. I want to be good, but we need to know this. We need to know the game plan of the enemy. He's going to invade your territory. He's going to get in your face and intimidate you, and he's going to challenge you, just like he did with David. But y'all remember 
the story of David and Goliath. Keep on reading. Who won? Come on, y'all. David. David won. David. He went nine feet nine. He had a slingshot and a couple of rocks and five. How'd he win? Well, because of him. It's because he kept his gaze on God. And God gave him victory. Y'all, still happens today. Keep your gaze, your eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith. And I may say something. You will see victory. You know, while this whole situation has, and just being honest, it, it has taken me by surprise. But I am trusting and grateful that it has not taken God by surprise. And so I, one thing I really appreciated this week is that uh, President Trump has called for this day to be a national day of prayer. And I believe one of the, the greatest things that we can do is to turn our eyes towards Jesus. Instead of, instead of turning our eyes towards the circumstances and being afraid and fearful, the greatest thing that we can do is turn to the Lord in prayer. And I'm praying that the whole nation will be doing this. Uh, but in light of that, I'm just going to ask, uh, Dad, if you, would, if you would just take this time to pray for us and to do exactly what the president's called for, but more importantly, what, what God has called for is for us to turn to him in times of trouble. You know, the, uh, we always have those times of uncertainty, but God is a certain God, mm -hmm. and uh, so we will go to him and uh, look to him at this time. Our Father in God, we come before you as the omnipotent, all-powerful God, omniscient, there is nothing you do not know, omnipresent, you're with us. Lord, we come to you as the God of gods and the Lord of lords, and I want to pray, Father, for those who are anxious at this point, that, Father, you would, you would remove the anxiety and put great faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to them right now. I pray, Father, for those who are suffering from uh, not only coronavirus, but from other maladies. I pray, Lord, that you would extend your hand of healing to them. I pray for those who are concerned about their loved ones. Father, that you would comfort and bless them. But, Lord, at times like this, we are so grateful that you are our God, that you are totally sufficient. And Lord, I just pray that you would minister to the needs that are myriad at this point. I pray for the churches. Lord, as they seek your will as to how they are to respond to their people and to the sharing of the gospel, the most important thing we do is to share the good news of Jesus. I pray that you give wisdom. I pray for Eric, and I thank you for him. I thank you for his commitment to you, his love for you, and, Father, his love for this church and for all those who participate with us. I pray that you'll give him wisdom, be with his staff, minister to them. But, Lord, we come before you as your children asking for our Heavenly Father to minister to our needs. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad. Uh, you know, we really, we don't know what's going to be happening this coming week, and so my hope is that we will be worshiping uh, in a regular time at Village Church and Village Church at Park Street, 
But if you are, uh, if you're near your computer, you, if you're on our newsletter list, you just pay attention to those things. We'll be sure to get the word out about what's going to be happening this coming Sunday. If we have to do this again next Sunday, we will do it. Uh, but my prayer and hope is that we'll be together again. Uh, but God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday.